Hi, my name's Gary Cole and you're listening to The Football Coaching Life, a podcast brought to you by Football Coaches Australia and Making Media, the podcast professionals. We're honoured today to have current Sydney A-Leagues women's head coach, Ante Urich, with us. Ante's also the head coach of um, Sydney Olympic in the New South Wales uh, Premier League, and I think that might be a first for us, currently active coaching men's and women's football. We've spoken to... Um, people coaching men's football, people coaching women's football, but I think I think you might be the first, mate. So, congratulations on that bit, and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. I actually get a bit of stick for that. I don't know why, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's worked thus far. Yeah, look, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, I'm sure about, about if, if if there are any differences in doing that. Let's get you introduced properly, and then we'll we'll get the show on the road, so to speak. So. Ante's football journey, I think, where he fell in love with football was uh, at Canberra Deakin uh, in, in Canberra, also played at the AS, then played the best part of 400 professional games in Canberra, uh, down here in Melbourne with Melbourne Knights and Faulkner, Sydney Olympic, off to Portugal for a short period of time, Canberra Cosmos, Arpia Leichhardt and the NSL, Sydney Olympic, where probably you, you had your first real good taste of success, some time in Norway with Mould, and then into Malaysia for a, a couple of stints with Johor and Pahang, and then back to Australia where I think you finished with a premiership or a championship with Sydney United uh, in Sydney. Um, and then, of course, coaching. Initially, I think, and I'll be interested to see how this goes because I know you're a teacher and we, we spoke about that offline, but at Westwood Sports High School, Trinity Grammar for five years with the uh, N-Swiss and then, of course, assistant coach with Sydney FC as an assistant, uh, and then Australian under-14s coach. I'm, I'm keen to talk to you about that because I'm not sure that team exists yeah, yeah. anymore. National Women's TD for a few years, assistant with the Matildas with Stage, under-17, under-19 women's coach and head coach of Sydney FC now for since about 2017. Four grand finals in a row, a um, couple of championships, a few premierships oh. along the way. <laughs> Five, sorry, mate. My apologies. Oh, yeah. um, re- remarkable. CV and uh, both playing and coaching. Welcome, Ante Urich. Thanks so much. That's uh, when when you said all the teams. It's like uh, it's funny. I'm very loyal, but there's a million teams there. What happened in the old days? And you probably know maybe where you play for NSL, then in the off season yep. you play for you know three months for a bit of money. You know, so yeah, a- absolutely. Everyone trying to make a living being a being a full time player and coach. Yeah, so yeah, it's just the early days. W- was um, Canberra Deakin, I actually played a, um, a one season with them when Tom Savani was the coach and I was assistant with Ronnie Smith at the AIS, but a very famous football club in Canberra. Obviously, um, you're, a, you're a son of that football club. The Zelich brothers were there, uh, Josip Simonic, uh, Joseph Simonic was there as well. So a proud old club in Canberra. Yeah, George Colescar was there as well. So he's an international. That's right. There's a few that came through. I actually started locally, so just my area, it's called Tuggeranong. Um, yeah. Until about twelve or thirteen, uh, and then Canberra Crasher was always the biggest club in sort of uh, Canberra at the time. Um, very strong. The senior team was always in the MPL, the New South Wales MPL, so they'd always go yep. across. So it was always a pathway for the kids. Uh, but yeah, I went across. I think about fourteens. Um, funny enough, my first year across, they put me in Division Two. So there was yeah. two teams, and they picked me in Division Two. A week later, the guy goes, "No, no, I'm going Division One." And was from, <laughs> And I'm stubborn now, and I was like, nah, don't worry about it. I'm staying in Division 2, so I stayed. It was a weird, but great times. Canberra was great times. Yeah, great club, well-supported. So, And then through, obviously, playing in the, some senior football there, got picked uh, at the AIS. Yes, I was lucky. I played senior football early, you know, like I said, even uh, in the New South Wales Premier League, at 16 or 17. Um, and from that, we were lucky as well. AIS used to bring in some players, so Ron Smith... Uh, uh, Rocky O'Connor brought us in, um, yeah. so when they needed numbers, and then I actually got a scholarship there for about five months. Um, you know, I could have stayed in, but obviously being from Canberra, I only stayed I think three months in the December period. But yes, yeah, so I was at AIS and played a little bit there, but it wasn't like a two-year scholarship. But it was the back end of mine, but it's yeah, still there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wonderful place, early early times, learning learning about the game as a as a young player. Oh, it's yeah, it's phenomenal. It's uh, the guy, the coaches were second to none. Um, the environment second to none. You can do, yeah. You don't have to do your weights, obviously, but you got your gym inside there where you got the walls. You had the back walls where you go by yourself. It's just so. If you love football, that's the place to be. 
and you got like-minded yeah. people. So it was it was surreal. Yeah, it really was. And a high standard and just made you better. Yeah. Uh, Ante, do you think, I know there's pros and cons of all of these things, but do you think our game's poorer for for the fact that that program doesn't run anymore for men or women? Oh, that's, uh, yeah, without saying, yeah. I was, um, and again, I don't want to get too much into it, I was actually at FFA when they made the decision and I was probably the only one who had a bit of a background who fought against it and probably hurt me in the long run. Again, yeah. not getting too much, but I fought against it and said it's the wrong thing and obviously, you know, people you know, high above made that decision, but it was Tony Vidmar as well. The poor guy was trying to fight for it. Uh, he yeah. was obviously coach at the time. Yeah, just yeah, people that didn't know football or didn't know the, you know the importance of it just made decisions and yeah, yeah. got rid of it. It's, it's sad because um, it made so many players or helped m- many players. Not maybe made, but helped guide. Yeah, it, it, it is quite remarkable. I was I, I was in Canberra um, a month ago and caught up with Ronnie Smith for dinner and, you know, we just you can't help but have a walk down memory lane and you, yeah. you just yeah. start to talk about the players that have been through the program. And, you know, it was arguably one of the best football finishing schools in the world at, at the time. You know, the, the golden generation, so many of them went through it and before and after. So, yeah, it's um, – I have to admit, I, I still think there, there should could be a place for that and I think it's a, a, an issue that's solved by money. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, that's an argument. Not that much anyway, isn't it? I think the government <laughs> used to – fork out a lot so anyway let's see let's see yeah they did yeah who knows what the future holds yeah. so you're a um you're a you're one of our smart cookie coaches you've got um a degrees you've got a, a master's degree as well you're you're a well-educated coach as well as your coaching qualifications so are you a football coach because you're a teacher uh you're a teacher because you were always that was a part of who you were how did you get into teaching and then into coaching oh it's, it's interesting i, I just remember I did a sports science degree when I was younger, so 21, 22, um, and I finished that human movement. I think it was four years. Um, and around 28, so I'm still playing, and then I was professional. I started thinking, okay, I haven't made a lot of money out of this. So I've got to think what to do. Um, and then I thought, oh, biomechanics, which is what I did. I'm sort of out of that system for six years, seven years, and it's quite a – you need to be quite smart for that. And I, and I thought, no, I haven't done it for seven years, so I need to do something else. And I thought about teaching. Um, yeah. it's, I'm sort of natural. I love children. I love doing that. I sort of, I think I lead and, and help people well. So I just thought that's perfect. And I only had to do another year um, distance. Um, so I did that while I was playing. And then as soon as I stopped yeah. around 32, I started teaching. Um, I think Westfields might have been the first, you know, six month block and then went to Trinidad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's how so I started. So I was sort of always there. You know, um, again, I was lucky I did a degree early on and then just backed it up. Yeah. Did you start your um, coaching licences towards the end of your career? Oh, I did. Yeah, I did, actually. It was, it was a lot easier then. I think we went on a, on a two days to get a B and a C and you went there and hung around and played a bit and you got it. Um, so it's quite intense now. It was different. But, yeah, I did I did start early. Um, yeah, I think it was probably when I was 30 or something. Yeah, so maybe back yeah. in the career. But, um, yeah, I always yeah. enjoyed it. I always wanted to do something like that. I always thought I'd end up that way if I could, you know, so, yeah. I think I've read somewhere in doing the research here that you talked about yourself as a thinking kind of a player and that you were a natural leader on on and off the field. So do you think that that, it's that sort of affinity that that draws you into the world of coaching? Yeah, it is, but I love football. Let's start with that. I I love love it and not to have it in my life. I don't know what I do, so next best thing outside of playing i was thinking about it today i actually had some kids and just thinking nothing beats playing because it's your yeah uh, but coaching is very different but it's rewarding as well so you love the game you've got people around who love the game you're trying to help them um so yeah. I, I get a lot of satisfaction from that um so yeah really it just, it just came about because i love it um i wouldn't do it yeah. if I didn't like it. and then because i'm naturally i think i don't know if i'm a leader leader but i lead you know, positively, I, and I and I coach how I played. This sounds probably stupid, but because I was the captain of the team, I always used to be yep. able to get the team together, um, you know, get rid of the cancers or know the cancer. You knew who was what have you, um, get the boys yep. when we were down. So I don't know, it just came naturally to me. And, yeah, so I was like a helping kind of person. That helps me, and that's exactly the way I coach. Um, same yep. kind of mindset. Obviously, you need the tactics, but same mindset. That's the same way I teach, yeah. Yeah. So was Westfield Sports Tire the first coaching 
opportunity that you had? Yeah, I think it was. And now I think back, yeah, yeah, because I went there as a teacher. Um, I did a block and then, yeah, I, I coached a little bit. I think it was Alana Kennedy I had, which is pretty crazy, in year seven. Um, <laughs> Mosty Amini was there, I think, year eight. I've got a funny story about if you want to hear it. But, um, yeah, yeah, but Musti used to come to me at recess um, and he'd get, he'd get a slip and you have to do, for example, 50, pick up 50 papers and get it signed from the teacher on recess. And he'd always yeah. come to me and I'd sign it. He didn't pick up anything. So I'd sign it and just did it. <laughs> anyway, that's the story. <laughs> it was a cheeky, a cheeky. So six months, yeah. Looking back on where you're at now on your coaching journey, how, import, how important for you was that first opportunity at Westfield High to get out on the grass and start to Yeah, yeah it's huge. It's, uh, I learned the most um, from teaching and being thrown into it. Because I never had any other experience. I just taught, got my licenses or whatever you do, your certificate, certificates, yep. and was thrown in here to teach these kids. And they run amok, you know. So you got to deal, <laughs> how to deal with them, how to talk to them, how to persuade them, how to set it up so it's already there, no time in between so they can lose it. So I learned so much there in that trinity in terms of that. Um, yeah, it's not, not that my Sydney FC girls do that, but it does. <laughs> you, learn, you learn on the run. You learn on the run. Yeah. So on your, maybe you both your playing and your coaching journey, who had the most, which coach or coaches had the most influence on you as a player and also as a coach? Oh, it's a difficult one because I am very, I learn a lot of myself, how it sounds stupid, or, or what I saw. So as a player, yep. I love Frank Reichardt. So I watched, he's trying to move. Ned Zelich, I tried to copy. He's only three or four or five years older. But I yeah. watched him as a 15-year-old and saw him come out of Canberra. So I tried to, and I was good at it probably, seeing good players and picking up that. The coaches I liked were Tom Simone was my Canberra coach and the first yeah. bit then he left. Just a, I like respectful people. He had belief in you. Um, that kind of nature got the best out of me. Um, and Branko Chalina was a different one. He was really smart. Uh, he was intense, but he was an excellent coach as well. But everyone had something. Um, I won't say one person really pushed me. It was myself, but I used to take things. I was driven in my own mind anyway. So um, everyone helped in their own way, but I also decided what I, th I knew was best for me um, within the team environment. Yeah. And then I use that as a coach now too, so I picked bits from everywhere. Yeah. If, you, if I can take you back, you were talking about Tom Samani being one of the coaches at, at, at Canberra Deacon there. And yeah, sorry. Yeah, he, he's, he was a, so he's the first one who actually, he probably won't even remember this, uh, sort of brought me up into the first grade, like trainings and a few of those things. Uh, he wasn't there the year after. I think he actually went to Olympic. So he's the first one that yeah. brought me up gave me that opportunity as a youngster. Um, but someone like him automatically I resonated with. He's a gentleman, uh, wanted the best for you. It was, he did things in a, again, gentlemanly way. He, but he pushed you. He'd help you with his words. So someone like that I do like. But in saying that, I also grew up with tough, let's say, Croatian coaches who told you how yeah. it is. Um, and I... I didn't care. I dealt with it. So, But then I also, as a person growing up, I was like, okay, I can handle the abusive kind of coach and the soft one. What's better? Then yeah. I just figured out I'm pretty good with people, I think. And you'd figure out, all right, not everyone can accept certain things. Um, you've got to do it in a certain way. So it just yeah, made me think, you know, having different coaches, different styles. Um, and, again, yeah. I probably overthink, but it's helped me, you know, overthinking, I guess, in, in a coaching <laughs> way. Yeah. Probably a good time to ask you about you coach, um, as, as we said, Sydney Olympic in the New South Wales Premier League and you coach Sydney for five years now, five grand finals. Um, do you have to adapt your coaching to men or women? Is there any difference in the way you go about it or is it you coach high-performance players and, uh, and, and that works the way you deliver it? Uh, the, the answer is yes and no. And by that, I'll, I'll tell you in a second. Like if I coached kids male kids, I'd coach them different. You know what I mean? If yeah. I coached an MPL team that struggled and technically wasn't good, I'd coach them different. If I, it, So, yes and no. So, my girls, are, you know, they're girls, obviously. They're mostly different. Yeah. So I'll teach, I coach them a different way. Technically, uh, you know, they're improving. They're not the, the maximum. So, I'll coach them a different way and try and make sure they improve. Yeah. Practically same. Um, the boys, you know, are probably a little bit tougher at times. But, again, stuff with certain people so yes and no but not because it's women and men not not at all I, i'm quite tough on my girls you know yeah. i have to I'll drop them when i have to i'll tell them they've got to hit passes when i have to um but i think yeah. they respect 
that because they know you are trying to make them better. Um, but yeah. yes, yes or no? No, because it's it, it's nothing to do with males and females or age. It's to do with sorry, yeah, who you who you got the abilities, capability, and personalities and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a tough one to answer, but that's that's the answer. No, mate, look, I, I really like it, uh, um, and I think it, it just shows that at the end of the day, if you're going to be a great coach or a great teacher, you need to know who the people are you're working with. You need to, they need to be able to trust you, and they need to genuinely believe that you can help them to get better yeah. individually and collectively, and if you can do that, then I think you know, you've got a great opportunity, as you've done, to take people on a wonderful journey. Yeah. Um, where where they can achieve success individually and success as a team. So, all power to you, mate. All power to you. All right. So then, what is coaching? Yeah, it's a. It's I, I guess it's it's teaching for me. I don't, I don't know how to answer that. A lot of people have got different words, different things. For me, coaching is trying to help people get forward. Um, and again, yes, it's a win lose thing there. And again, I was so competitive when I played. I wanted to win. Um, but the older I got and when I stopped, it was like, and, and these four grand finals, I'll explain it that way too. So what is coaching? You're trying to make players better and trying to succeed. But where, where, how, do you, how do you gain success or get success? Because some of those grand finals, we've made one error and you've lost the grand final. There's a season. Is that successful yeah. or not? Um, some teams have done well and unfortunately had two or three injuries and they're out yet they probably are the best team. So what is, so that's why I just base it on, for me, with the girls, our success comes from as long as you work as hard as you possibly can, try and learn, try and listen. And for me, as a coach, that's what you're trying to do is uh, lead and teach them about that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's tough because that's my theory of it. Um, again, usually when you work hard and do the right things, you get success and hopefully win. But yeah. my aim is not to win. Like <laughs> I sound really stupid, doesn't it? It's, it's to do the other things, and then I know winning comes with it usually. But I've lost grand finals and things where you know you shouldn't have lost, and the gods have told you you're going to lose, but you know you were better. How do you? Yeah. How do you? You know, like uh, it's difficult for as a player where you know you put everything in. You know, fans see a win loss, but you know you've given everything. So um, what yeah. can you do? You know, you've got to have that understanding. Of it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I've got a Melbourne victory cap here under the table, and I'm not going to pull that on but but you <laughs> if you that you know that they've they've won the last two championships yeah, and yeah. and uh I, my memory is not good enough to remember a year ago but the, the one that's just gone past you know i think if you look at the the the, the data and all of that it was yeah. you know you should should have won but mm -hmm. but of course football's not like that i think i've heard you talk about the football gods and some days they're smiling yeah, and some days they're not and you can't no you do need to finish but yeah, sometimes it hits both posts, and you're like, "Oh, that's like a half a centimeter." How, how do you, how do you, how do you, yeah, explain that? So, yeah, I think we've done well. They're, they've done well. They've come good, and um, I like Jeff. Uh, he's great, so he deserves what he's got. Yeah. To. In you understanding and your players understanding what success looks like, how important is it for you as a coach to also have? the CEO, the chairman and the board understand. So so are you is it important that you're on the same page as them in terms of what success looks like? Uh, probably, but also maybe maybe not. And by not I mean so they they expect success and success maybe to them means winning. Um, yeah. We've not really had this conversation. But again, I say what I believe success is, but I also believe when we do that especially if you've brought the best players together or good players or ones you think you can help, usually hand-in-hand hand comes the trophies. Um, if yep. you're good enough. like So that's why I'd still aim for that. Um, and then, yeah, end of the day, the CEO and that are probably like, oh, look at this, we've got some more trophies. But you know, Hunter loves winning. But, um, and I do like them. That's it. I'm not going to say I don't. I do. But, but again, it's the, you know, I'd rather, yeah, I don't want to win and we haven't worked super hard. Like it. it doesn't. Yeah. That was funny. But, yeah, it's uh, yeah, they're, they're supportive regardless. They've let me work on my own. So we really haven't had that conversation. Actually, it's interesting. <laughs> Imagine I told yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, one of the questions we've we've started to ask uh, probably in the last six months or so is is the difference between aspiration and capability. I, I actually, it was a question that came up on a, a business podcast, but I thought it was really 
relevant for coaches, particularly nowadays every coach has got to have his philosophy and got to understand clearly the way they want to play and the way the team wants to play. Um, you, you come in and you've got this philosophy about how you want to play um, and there's this thing called aspiration. We want to do this. We want to play this way. We, we want to score these goals. We want to stop conceding goals. We want to go ahead and win things. The capability over the group that we're at this club with this group of players right here, right now is this. How do you how do you as a coach deal with that, the difference between the aspiration of what we want to achieve and the capability of where we're at today? It take, takes time. Right now, I'm in a good place with Sydney FC. Let's use them. I'm with Olympic, obviously, as well. Actually, Olympic, I'm in a good place too. But let's say Sydney FC because most know me from that. Um, yep. We've been there five years. It's got me to a place now. I've got 20 players who uh, probably tick off both, you know, who I'm like, okay, they can do what I want because I've brought certain people in. Um, however, yeah, so in, in the thinking of it, as a for me as a coach, defence is easy to coach. You can get anyone to do that. So that for me, defence, defence. Every team I have, I can guarantee will be will be tough to break down, regardless of knowledge or whatever. Um, yeah. I just believe that. The difference in attack, yeah, it's probably aspiration there. If you don't have players like Avine, Princess, Remy, are you going to score? Are you going to be dangerous? I don't know. Maybe you've got to then change how you play. You hit the yeah. short and the long. So, yeah, you've got to have the right players. But for me, it took a little bit of time to get to that, even though it was still successful. But it wasn't exactly how I wanted the players. But we brought them in. And now we're in a yeah. real good place where you can sort of do what you want. Um, yeah. that sometimes the girls technically can be let down, but they're they're really yeah, impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm really interested, aren't I, in doing the research here? I, I I'd forgotten this. I, I actually did know it. We went through a period of time where we had um, some Australian under 14 teams, which yeah. I'm assuming was a part of identifying them for the under 17 World Cup, nice yeah. and early. And there were a couple of football festivals, and and I'm, I know you were the under 14 coach for a um, a short period of time. I'm not quite sure how long it lasts. Can I ask you how that came about? And what that experience was like, and maybe that same question, you know, the, the, the aspiration and capability of, of kids of that age at that level. Yeah, it's uh, I wish I remembered all the names, I've got it somewhere, I've got their pictures, but <laughs> someone in the A League now, like the Silver, um, oh, there's a couple of others, but I just can't remember. Uh, yeah. Center Warland, so there's a few in the in the A League, so it was nice to be part of them. Um, yeah. but yeah, that was interesting. Uh, I was, I think, I think I was Westfield or teaching, I can't remember again the exact dates. But Han Berger asked me to be that coach. Um, Han Berger, actually, funny enough, asked me to be Skillaroo's coach, which was the same kind of time I had that program. Yep. He asked me to come in and coach someone else and so on. And I just said no to everything. I just wasn't, <laughs> you know, 10,000 bucks come and do this full time. So, so no, but, it was, but anyway, then what happened, we had, for some reason, uh, in Asia, they had this festival of football and everyone had to go. So all the confederations had to go. Um, yeah. And it was 13s one year, then 14s the year after, or 14s and then 13s, something like that, to follow, like you said, the age groups. It only lasted two years, and then either yeah. finance, yeah. But it was good fun. It was just a, it was mayhem. So we had like 10 games in uh, 10 days, something crazy like that, playing Myanmar, Laos, I think China, Japan, all, you know, all those teams. Um, yeah. But again, the way I approached it, and I do with kids, this is probably where I'm different to everyone else, I look for what I think the future looks like. It's tough because you can't, don't have a crystal ball, but again, I think my my um, past um, results have shown I'm pretty good at that. But I've picked the players for the future, um, not yeah. necessarily to win, and I'm strong enough mentally to go, if we win 10-0, no problem as long as that kid becomes an international or goes to yeah. or something. Um, so, so that's what I did. No one really gave me, again, it was like a free reign. No one told me anything, yeah. just pick your team, and that's what I did. But it was very, it was very, it wasn't very structured. We didn't really, I don't know where I picked them from. It was like a Nationals one week or something else. So it was very, yeah. you know, a bit random, but it was a good experience. I enjoyed it. And, um, and it was in the FFA for the first time. Yeah, that was nice. And then you also were with FFA as the uh, women's technical director for three or four years as well, yeah? Yeah, so that was a great experience. I um, So that as well, so I started to coach in Swiss and was successful with them for a little bit where we won the championship of you know, Australia, whatever that is, um, for two or three years. Um, and then out of the blue again, Hans like, all right, funny enough, he goes, this is the last time I'm going to offer you something. <laughs> Let's see what he's going to offer. And he offered the assistant coach for Matildas. And I was like, oh, and, and I actually started coaching, uh, teaching at Trinity and director of sport and it's a beautiful job, you know, it's a 
private school and you're in luxury yeah. sort of. And then I thought, oh, you know what, I've got to take this one. I can't say no. So yeah. I went there. Um, the job was 80% uh, coach and as an assistant and 20% TD, which, you know, to, to help out huh? Um Yeah. That's sort of what it looked like. But it was good. That's when I went across and I think I coached two years assistant potentially. I think there was an issue with Hesterine back then, the, the national coach. Um, yeah. And then about two years after being a head, assistant coach, they've said, well, I actually said TD should be full-time and get mm. another or one or the other, and then they just said, which one do you want? Um, yeah. I sort of walked away from assistant, which I regret because I had such a good run, but I was part of yeah. it. I was there always at the tournaments, always with the girls, but I went TD um, yeah. full-time, and they got, I think, Ross Eloisi maybe. Um, yeah, someone, I think yeah. it was Ross. Yeah. And that, that give you a taste for it? You, you, is that a, a job you'd like to have down the track? Tilda's coach, Socceroos coach. Oh, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Because I'm, I'm ambitious. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and Tilda's in particular because I know the girls. I know I'll do well there. Um, I hope that doesn't sound arrogant, just because you know, no. know things there and what what works, what doesn't. I've been around now 10, 12 years with girls, so I've known the young ones, the old ones. Um, and I've coached the Caitlin Fords, Alana's, Lisa Devana. If you can coach Lisa Devana, you're doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's, she's great. We get along well. But yeah, it's a uh, yeah, again, I'm not – I'd love to, but the reason why I went to MPL Men as well is to – all right, because I've realised in my head I'll get, I'm ambitious, I want to become a professional. Yeah. You know, a little bit like Ange, I'm going to give it a crack. I know I can do it. Yeah. It's some luck and that's why now I've gone to the men's because I, th- I thought my doors were closed a little bit with the girls, I'll be honest with you, even though things are going good. Um, and yeah. I thought maybe I'll just delve into the men's. Yeah, good on you. And, and I mean, it's a – it's a, an inspirational time right now. Obviously, Ange doing remarkable things at Celtic. Joe on the Muro at, at Juventus Women, which is yeah. after <laughs> the success he had asked. Asked the women, uh, Muskies in at uh, Yokohama FC Marinos. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Tanya Ox to be a, assistant coach at Chelsea. There's there's a range of um, Aussie coaches doing great things uh, around the world, and you know. I think we've all got our fingers crossed, hoping that when Andrew's finished wings with, with Celtic, that the, maybe there's a, a Premier League opportunity for him as well. It'd be nice to see a, uh, an Aussie coaching at that level. Yeah, I was lucky enough to work with Andrew in the Asia Cup. Um, I was actually in that time. You probably don't know the scout had sent me to Uzbekistan and Kuwait and whatever on my own, which was a bloody experience in itself. Analysis <laughs> <laughs> and then bring it back to Peter, who was the assistant, and Nante Milicic. The assistance to Ange. So I did a lot of that for that year and a half, two years. It was so good. Yeah. That, that, that really, again, I have that sort of now for taxes. I like looking at games. Like, I'm upset, yeah. upset. But it was good for me. It was actually good to put it down. Yeah, like and, yeah that was a fantastic time. Uh, I like that. I like that a lot. So, mate, how has your coaching changed over the journey? Or has it changed over the journey? It, it's changed through experience. Um, not a lot has changed in terms of how what I want. So I do harp on about certain things. And a good example is, and you said about style and philosophies and that. My style is you play quick, make sure you hit passes. So every training, I'm like, hit your pass, hit your pass, hit your pass, and then little bits to it. But that then makes yeah. your style quick. You know what I mean? Now, regardless of what the pattern is yet, I don't go to that yet. Yep. As long as they realise it's quick. Defensive-wise, everyone works and backing each other up and compact and quick. And then that becomes your sort of DNA that you go back to yeah so i learned sort of how to push people more with that and who i can push more um some you can't at all some you've got to go okay you just play one time you you just run down this line or so that <laughs> that has helped me a little bit um uh yeah and the rest yeah you just experience and how you talk and what you do tactically obviously because yeah. you're coaching now um everything's on you kind of thing but again i, I was it's sort of normal it's who i am i guess Again, you learn from yeah. experience. I have changed in that sense, but yeah, sort of who I am, I don't think I've changed a lot. Maybe, maybe because you're a teacher, and you know, you. I think when you you start to do that, you're learning how to deal with people, and and a number of times when we have this conversation, that it, it's the way that coaches deal with people seems to be the most significant change that they make yeah. along yeah. their journey. You know, yeah. um, which which is understandable because at the end of the day, it's about 
uh, getting the the best out of people. And I think um, I think your players have said quite clearly that you're a perfectionist. So if they win three one, um, you as far as you're I'm, concerned, I'm, we should have scored six, and they shouldn't have scored at all. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit like that, but I'll do it politely. But I, I am like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you have you ever had a coaching mentor? Have you formally or informally, or are there people that you look up to, or you you, you sit back and you learn from on your journey? Uh, I think if they tried something, but not really. No. Um, again, I'm sort of funny. I, I heard Mourinho say this, and I'm definitely not a Mourinho, but I'm like this a little bit. They asked him, "I oh, so who do you have the mentor?" He goes, "No one." What? And then say, "Well, who do you look up to?" He's like, "No, what? It was me. I learned off." And I was like, you know what? I'm a little bit like that. Yes, I've got everything, but I didn't pick someone. I did when I played, like I said, right and Zelly. Yeah. Coach, yeah. that's my personality. I'm the same way I am now is the way I talk to my brothers and family and my niece and nephew. I'm just honest, direct. Yeah. I'm simple with my words. I'm not, you know, like a genius. So I'm simple with my words, you can probably see. And I mean, it just works. It works for me, and I'm just me, like, a, and that works. So, yeah, I don't know. Not really. But I did love Ange, I must admit, because he's very. I just loved his way he motivated, which is something I have learned a lot more, even though I naturally delve into things like history and heart yeah. and all that. But he was very good, very, yeah, he'd reached the right spot. So I don't know if he researched or what, but he was very good or if he's naturally that, but he was, even the way he delivers and all that, you can see on the, the videos that people have recorded. And yeah. that's what I'm saying, well, like people fight for that guy, um, yeah, to the hill. Uh Absolutely, you're a you're a football nut. So you, you may not have done this, but you you grew up in Australia, which means you probably played cricket. You might have played some rugby along the way. Have, have coaches from other sports influenced you in any way, shape, or form? You're looking at not necessarily tactically, but the way yeah, no, they I, do. I always look at it. I look at quotes, how they talk. I love, I love even A League. I watch. This sounds hopefully not rude, but I like listening to the coaches in their media conferences. And if there's new coaches. And in my head, I'm like, he's going to be gone in three months or he's going to do well. Like, you can get, I'm just looking at him. If I'm a player and I'm listening to those words and thinking that, that's how much I'm an idiot. I <laughs> really like overthinking. <laughs> because if I'm a player, I put myself in a player's position, how I was like, because I was strong-minded. And I'm like, okay, so you know, that, I get that. I like that. So I always be mindful of my yeah. words um, to bring people along and not to be rude and not to be, but still be strong and be someone they're like, yeah, I'm going with this guy. Um, not yeah. be about me, which I've never, it's never been about me. So naturally it's already there. It's about yeah. everyone else. And I can sit back, I don't need plaudits, I don't need that. And again, that comes naturally. I was like that as a kid, probably to my detriment. But yeah, but it was, that's, yeah, I was doing the same thing across to the coaching. But yeah, not really, not really. Yeah. That, that strong head in this, were you a difficult player to coach? Mm Probably, probably later, like I was very polite. Like I was a, I'll tell you my sort of career. 14 years old, I was a nut. So I, I'd throw the ball at people. 5-0 down and I'd slide tackle the guy around the kneecap. So I was a nut. And then my brother, and I think my brother said, like, you're embarrassing yourself. And everyone, about 16, 17, I went quiet. I went like a mute. So then I'm just quiet and doing stuff. And then at 20, 21, you realise oh, I've got to talk. Then I became, you get older, more confident, like, leading people, doing things. I did it by example rather than yelling. Um, I yell a lot more now yeah. than I play, but it's more to help because tactically they're probably not ready yet, some of the girls especially. But, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I got the question, but, yeah, it was like, yes, yeah, so I was like, no, sorry, I did you. It was all over the shop a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we get, we get, we get, we get wiser as we get older, don't we? Yeah, so hopefully. Fine, yeah, 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 good, yeah. <laughs> so why do you do it why do you coach probably back to your first answer I love football um, one that, that draws you to it yeah. um, would I do it if I was never a footballer and didn't love it maybe because I love people but maybe I wouldn't have the knowledge and teachings enough but I love football I watch it I love watching the analysis I, like I said I just love every part of it watching kids play watching yeah. older people play I just do like it enjoy it I like coaching it because it's around. So why am I coaching? Probably because I love it first and then because I like it that much and I think I'm good at leading people and want to and then want to see people grow. Like I love seeing my girls who no one knew get into the Matildas or get into the Sydney FC and all of a sudden we're star started, but no one knew these girls at MPL. That's what I'm proud of. You find some gems and then everyone says, oh, it's Sydney FC, bling. 
but a lot of these were MPL players. Yeah, so that's what I'm happy yeah. about. Good on you. Let's change, change track a little bit. Really interesting uh, last weekend, um, Ante Milicic uh, is walking away from coaching, football coaching. He's going back to Croatia apparently to live. And you go, wow, you know, that's sort of – he's a young man uh, really um, – if you cut him in half and count the rings, he's he's on the, you know, he's sort of midway through his coaching journey, and it, it's already worn him down. And uh, yeah, yeah. It, it just makes you think about mental health and and the importance of mental health, but also resilience for coaches. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I'm. I'm again, I don't want to say the club, but Sydney Sydney FC for me is great. Like it's real comfortable. There's no there's pressure, but there's, there's no one hammers you. Um, other clubs, even NPL, I'm looking at, it's it's ruthless and crap in a lot of ways. Um, and by that, I mean people abusing you. You know, you're doing well, but people, uh, you know, f off this guy. It's not just me. I hear it with other other teams. Yeah. And that does impact you. Like again, I'm pretty good at putting in my head just going, "Ah, he's an idiot" or whatever, I'm walking away and being strong. But that does, and it does impact me now and again. I've turned around once, which I never do, and just said, "Mate, you know what? You should shut your mouth and just watch the game," which I hated doing. But yeah. I was like, "I'm." I'm here to fight for my guys and myself, and like because you don't get that in any other job. And I'm like, I actually said that to my uh, sister-in-law once, who's a lawyer. And I was like, no one comes into your office and says your shit or can yell out loud you're this. So that definitely takes a toll, especially if it's year after year or you're losing and your job's on the line. Um, you know, referees make a mistake or your players made a mistake, and things you can't control. And you're like, what? The, how do I get out of this? And mentally, if you're not strong, or it's been years of that, it's it is tough here. So I know where answers coming from. Um, it is really it can be stressful, um, and certain people have got no chance in football coaching because they're just not they can't they can't deal with that. And you can see the ones that break down, and because they they show that to their players in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, it's tough not to um, do it, but you've got to be strong to be always happy, always up, but not change your consistency. Um, takes time, yeah. takes a you know, nut as well. Like I said, to you, to have that where it's like I'm going to be I'm going to be the one here. Yeah, I sort of fake. I sort of act. You know, I'm the one they're looking at. I've got to be strong. I'm yeah, this up mentally. Yeah, time. When I heard him, it was sad. It's it's very very sad. I'm just wondering about you. Uh, you know, in the normal realm of, of of professional coaching, you go through the the preseason, the season, the postseason. Hopefully, we've we're organising transfers, but you sort of get a break. You know, you have a, a at least a month off, or sort of a month off away from emails and transfer requests and, and players moving in and out and the planning for the next season. But you, you sort of mentally get a break from the day-to-day stuff. You, in your current role, don't do that. You're a full-time teacher and you do Sydney FC uh, women um, after that and, and now you go roll straight into the New South Wales Premier League with Sydney Olympic. H- how do you how do you unwind? How, where, where's the time? Yeah. What do you do when you're, you're not coaching or uh, you kick it's the not- cat? Yeah, well, I don't know if you guys know, but I actually um, resigned or said I wasn't going to coach to to my CEO probably in December because of work yeah. and because of time. And I thought, okay, I've got to tell him they've got to find another coach. So I actually put in a thing, just said, let's just get another coach for next year. I think it's going to be too much. So it is tough. Uh, in After that, I changed my mind after three months. I don't want to leave the girls. We're in a good place. I brought them here. So, I've, you know, so I am staying again next year. But, um, yeah, it is nice. tough. It's tough to unwind because... You know, with the girls, we train at 6 o'clock in the morning. Um, most mornings, we've got some evenings. Um, there is time, some afternoons at times for both. When it's the same time, then it's near impossible. It's every day till 9 o'clock. When it's separate, yeah. um, it's doable, but it's still, it takes a lot of time. And it is day one from January 1 to December 31st. Um, maybe, maybe again, like a, I need help, but I don't realise it. And who knows? I hope I don't get to that stage. Because I'm just doing it, yeah. and I keep going. I'm like a fighter inside, and I've got good people around me, I guess. Um, yeah, and everything's been not cruisy, but decent people around me thus far, from owners to CEOs to players. Um, so it's been sort of all right. But I can imagine you know, things when things go tough. Do you yeah. do I need a break? Probably. I probably do need a break, but I just don't realise yeah. it. I just keep going. So <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Um, good, good, good luck with that, mate. And and look, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, being able to surround yourself uh, with good people um, is just the key to most success. Um, uh, obviously, as a coach, you can control some of that, but you can't always control um, 
you know, the club and the, the, the board and the chairman and the CEO. So it's great that, that all that comes together for you. So all power to you. Yeah. Mate, you've had an incredible run, grand finals, um, left, right and centre since since you've been uh, the Sydney head coach. What, what's been some of your most enjoyable moments on your journey thus far? Um, there's been obviously individual ones. Grand final was a great day because we were unbelievable. So that was two, three years ago when we won and we had to score that bomb and we were the best team by a mile playing attractive. And that's nice when you get a team, you're like, wow, look at this. This is everything's coming together. That's nice. Um, obviously having the five grand finals means you're successful. But for me, the biggest joy comes from, so again, identifying certain players. A lot of kids we brought at 14. So we've got Mary now at 14. Uh, Taylor Ray came at 14. So players then, no one's told us to see him, but we've seen him and picked one or two out. Um, who else is 14? Charlie Rule came at 14. Nashi, I brought her training at 14. So they didn't sign, but they were training for two years. So again, people think they've just come from boom like this, but we've actually looked at them. Um, I'm proud of that yeah. when they become better and better and all of a sudden at 16, 17, you need to sign them and they stay with you because they, they know you care. Um, that and also bringing other players like Vine who really started or played at Wanderers and other places. Remy didn't score a goal at Wanderers when she was there. Um, come to us, and Claire Willow was great, but never in the national team. Come to us and then just fly, and then I'm... Because we've got something to do with it. It's not all of us, but whatever we're saying and doing in the environment, yeah, it makes them better given belief for whatever it is, but that's what I'm real happy about, and that's sort of how I try and sell it to the girls. I go, we're a club that's going to make you better. Um, yeah. So, you know, you want to come with us? Sometimes, you know, you've got to be able to handle it, the pressure and the, the thing, because there is big pressure. But that's what I'm most happy about when you see. Sadly, you do lose one or two players who get down or go worse potentially, and that, that hurts you. But, you know, sometimes someone doesn't uh, blend with you or the way your style is, or you can't get yeah. you know, can't get 20 players in 11, so they lose their focus a little bit. But, yeah, I'm more most happy about just helping those girls get to where they need to and having a, a little part in that. Yeah. Well, you're doing a great job with that, mate. What What are some of the valuable lessons you've learned along the way? Uh, you got to, well, again, I don't know about learnt, but it was always me, but I just, I do want to care for everyone. Like it's, everyone's emotional. It's their life. You know, sometimes you don't know what's happening with people. That's why I'm always a little bit yeah. soft when I find out. You don't know why they, they play bad. Yeah, they play bad, but you take them off, but it might have been some issues at home. Um, so you always try and be soft uh, in a, some kind of place. Still got to be tough because you still got to, especially Sydney FC and Olympic, because it's, it's necessary. But it's the top level. I've probably learned that to deal with that a bit more. Probably be a bit more. And even though I think I'm approachable, I am sometimes intimidating. I'm six foot. I don't say a lot. I say things like direct. Um, the girls know I love them, so they do. But it, I still think that as well. I've got to learn how to be a bit more. And I do. I go to the girls and chat and how you going and always jovial. But I probably don't go. Yeah. I'll get to training, do my thing, have a good laugh, train hard, and then I'll leave. I won't hang around and go too much. Maybe it's because of work. But um, yeah. I've learned that's important, though, and I'll try my best at it because I know my flaws too. Um, and probably yeah. listen more to people, like having good people around you and listening more because I am very confident and probably overly direct and thinking I know, yeah, this is what I want, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to listen more. And I have done in the last couple of years with assistance with – uh, subs, certain players, potentially they're going, oh, I saw that girl. So I've done that more where you're sort of, and that maybe it's age, you're sitting back and you're like, okay, let them have a bit more, more, more of a crack. Yeah. Than leave. yeah. So that, that's probably the biggest thing I've done or learned. Yeah. The, the, um, I love that, the, the, the softness and, and, the, and the toughness as well. I, I found a, a quote, um, I think, just after Stage was sacked from the, Matilda's job, um, you said something like high high standards are not a form of bullying. Yeah. Um, can, can you can you is that what you're talking about there? That that the the, the difference between yeah. the softness yeah. and and the toughness. Yeah, yeah. You you've got to be. If a girl misses a pass, I'll tell her you need to be better at that pass. You need to hit it. You've done it once. You can get it a hundred times. Let's go. Go again. I'll keep going. That's driving a standard. Yeah. If I say. That is effing this and crap and, and someone else misses one after her, but I don't say nothing. That's now you're targeting someone. Um, so I'm consistent. Yeah. I'll, I'll hammer Lisa Devana just as much as I'll hammer the 14-year-old. Um, so I'll probably do the heading, but that's, again, I'm sort of in a zone where I don't, don't see uh, faces. It's like, yeah. got that. So that, that's probably what I mean. But, yeah, it's 100%. Again, you've got to watch your words and certain people, but 
yeah, that's standards of driving and expectations. That's not bullying at all, not even close. But um, some people don't want to come along with it and they're scared of it and need an excuse. Maybe they use that. Um, but again, the, yeah, you've got to watch your words. Uh, yeah, probably more so. And if it's constantly to one player, not another, then maybe that is. But um, yeah. 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 No, I, that's a great insight. Thanks for sharing that, mate. Yeah. Um, so, so we've mentioned the, the 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 not winning on grand final days, but and I, I know what the answer is going to be because you've been talking about your players all the way through. But what does success look like for you as a coach? Yeah, like I said, success uh, building a good culture, having a, a team where like, we play as a unit. So that for me, is success. Yes, you want to win. Again, I, I do want to win. I'm not going to say I don't, but everything I do what I believe will get us winning is success for me. So working hard, respect for each other, a good uh, uh, understanding our defensive DNA, the, the attacking DNA. Um, and when all that works, it's perfect. When our culture is perfect, that, I love that. That's success for me in a lot of ways as a coach bringing that in. It's hard to do. It's not, not easy. And, again, when you have that and you've got good players, the thing is I could do that exact same thing at Sydney FC as I do at, um, let's say, Canberra last year. And I won't win. We might be better because we're more organised, but I won't win because I'm not a bad coach, but I don't have Vine creating excellent things. I did bring Vine in. She wants to stay at us, so that's a positive. But it's the same coaching, same thing. You're pushing people, but I don't have that sucker. So is who's more successful? Um, you know, in a sense, if I coach. But, yeah. but that's it. Yeah, so what is, that's why I always say, what is success? Yeah, you want to win, but depends where you are, who you've got, what you've built, where you get to. Um, and as long as they give everything, that for me is success. Probably something to ignore here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, 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 I like that a lot. The, the, I just get so, I've got to ask you a question about culture. It, it could be another podcast, and, and I think we should do this because I, I just I love building culture. I love talking about culture. I love people's different take on it. But how do you how do you Build a culture within a, a new group from day one. How do, what does what does a great culture mean to you as a coach, and what does it mean to the players? It means everything for me. Firstly, it's standards. But the way I'm going to explain it probably is not the right. And you can build something or try by the way you are. So if I'm respectful, I don't. If someone yells at someone, I stop it, nip it in the butt straight away. They see what your standards are. That that's one bit. However, I'm also a strong believer that if you're not that person, selfless and don't want to be that, I can't make you fit in our culture. I, I need to move you on, um, plain and simple. So certain people don't fit. So as a coach, I'll get the right personalities, which is where we're at right now. And probably last year I might have had one or two that didn't fit that. When you've got one or two that don't fit, you're still in a good place. Um, but then you've still got to potentially move people on. That That is the best way to get a culture. And then obviously... They respect, they like, they follow you because they like a person that's respectful, will talk well to them, will do the right things, will have his standards, but follow it and make be consistent, will treat you the same as um, a superstar. That Then they look at you going, oh, okay, I've got this guy's got us. You know, he's got our back. He's not going to flip up and down inconsistent. He's genuine. He's, that creates a culture if you've got the great people. If you've got 10 rat bags, you do that, they're going to go, ah, let's get stuffed and they'll go in their group. So it's... You can make it, but also I'm a big believer you've got, to, you've got to get rid of people to make that perfect, you know, especially senior football. That's probably an easy answer. No, no, no. No, no well, there's, there's nothing easy about it. And, 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 at, and at the end of the day, being able to talk about culture and being able to build one are two very, very different things. Yeah, and yeah. my belief is that you, it's very difficult to have success um, without one. Um, so no, thanks, uh, thanks for sharing that again. I appreciate it. Can I just check one other thing? The by standards, are we talking about behaviours on and off the football field? Yeah, everything. Um, standards of, again, let me give you a perfect example. If we're doing taking a goal off, I'll be around to help where I can. I'm, I'm like a cripple now, but I'll try and help. But you see the people that will go and help. So if my if Teresa Plyos is tiny, can go and help then I'm going, yeah, you're for my culture. If someone has a shot, a bad touch, are you the one to abuse yeah. her or are you going to go, yeah, come on, let's go, you can do better? That, and you can see that straight away. So, again, last year I had probably two players who were probably more on the 
F and give me the ball. And I was like, okay, okay. So you sort of pick it out and you, you've got to deal with it. Some, and I can't, I've made them quiet because I don't accept it, but it's still inside them. You know what I mean? They've still got that little yeah. bit of So and, and not everyone can be the same because you need that tough one, but that, that, stuffs up your culture if you've got too many players like that yeah. someone else or gang up on someone um so that's probably what i'm good at is eventually getting to that because you can see the good people the hard workers but who are still good footballers um again it's an easy way but it's a long way um, at olympic now yeah. it's yeah i think we've got a great culture and that's taken three years too you know so yeah, yeah. no thanks mate Re- really appreciate that no, no. okay downhill run final question for today oh, if no. you have one one piece of wisdom you could share with a coach that doesn't matter where they are, at the beginning, in the middle, or at the close towards the end of their journey, one piece of wisdom that you would share with football coaches, what would it be? Oh, one. Probably be yourself is probably the best, but just be genuine, true to yourself. Don't try and be Joe Blow or whatever because people can see through that. Um, and then be consistent. So if you're genuine, you'll be consistent. Um, you can't say one thing and do something else and do that and tell one person this. So be genuine to yourself because it comes out genuine and people love that, I think, um, and then just consistent with what you do. Yeah. No, thanks, mate. I love that and uh, thanks for being genuine today. It's been a great insight to thinking of Ante Juric, head coach of uh, A-League's women at Sydney FC. I'm still not quite sure how to go around and head coach of Sydney Olympic in the New South Wales Premier League and Director of Sport at Matraville Sports Sports, Sports High. Thanks, mate. Really, really appreciate your time today. So thanks very much. Thanks. Great questions. Thanks, Gary. You're a legend. Thanks, mate. You've been listening to The Football Coaching Life, a podcast brought to you by Football Coaches Australia and Making Media the Podcast Professionals. If you've enjoyed our conversation today, you'd like any more information about Football Coaches Australia, please go to footballcoachesoz.org.au. 